arts and theology. He has served in various areas of ministry such as student, pastor, evangelist, and faculty member of Christian Life College. For the last 12 and a half years, he has served as lead pastor at Goodlettsville Pentecostal Church in Tennessee. During his tenure, the church has grown numerically, built a new facility on 47 acres. This man can talk to us about growth. Built a facility on 47 acres in the heart of Goodlettsville, Tennessee, and is now a multi-campus church. Pastor Tim has a passion for leadership and the local church. He has preached throughout the country and Canada. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember, but a few years back he preached a general conference. He just came back from a, a, a conference in Canada where he did just what he's going to do tonight and tomorrow. Not the same thing, but he ministered to church planters and helped them with church planting and church growth. So he's not a stranger to this. He knows what he's doing. Uh, so, so he believes that the church is the best friend you and your family have today. He enjoys reading, learning, golf, racquetball, and Dr. Pepper. Man, he threw that in there. Pastor Tim is happily married to Julie for over 22 years, and they have three sons. His eldest son's name is Trenton. The dude is supposed to be up here, okay? His other son's name is Tanner, and the, uh, his last boy is Thatcher. All T, 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 middle names are A, so they're T, A, Z, all of them, him and his boys. So they're a great family. We thank God for sending them here to North Central Jersey District. And I want you to give him a warm welcome and welcome him to the pulpit. <laughs> Reverend, come on and take your liberty. Well, someone say praise the Lord. I want to say what a great honor it is to be here tonight. And as Brother White is reading that list there, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm about to blow it big time in this house. I better really behave. My pastor's going to get on to me. But I am so honored to be here in the North Central Jersey District. So great to be with Brother Wyatt, Brother White, all of our ministering brethren. Would you give them a wonderful hand of appreciation? We're glad that they're here. Glad for their leadership. Amen. I love what I feel, and I want to say I love the spirit of your leaders, their vision, their passion, their heart for the work of God. I connected with that in a meaningful way, and I know that God is going to do something that is great and eternal this next few hours here. I also want to say that I understand Brother Weber cannot be here, a great man of God, a great leader, great influencer of our movement, and I pray for them and their church family. Understand how tragedy can shift a church and bring it into a season of grief and sorrow, and so we want to lift up our fellow brother. Amen. If you'll grab your Bible, I'm going to turn to the book of Second Kings. The book of Second Kings chapter 4, I want to read a passage of scripture here as I begin to lay what I feel is the foundation of what's going to happen in the next little while. I believe God's going to speak to every heart, every spirit that will be receptive 
that will be open, that will be in tune with what the Holy Ghost wants to do tonight. Amen. How many enjoyed the singing already and the worship? Amen. Fantastic singing and fantastic worship. The scripture reads, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thine handmaiden hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. The last verse, verse number 7. Then she came and told the man of God and said, Go. And he said, Go. Sell the oil and pay thy debt and live, thou and thy children of the rest. Can you say with me, Live. The man of God was speaking to her future. I know it looks rough and looks bleak and looks bad, but I want you to know when we get through this, you are going to live. I want to preach this evening. I want to talk to you from my heart. What I think the Lord has laid on my spirit for you is the future of ministry. The future of ministry. Would you put your Bibles down and would you put your hands together and lift your voice? Would you give the Lord a loud praise offering? Come on, every person. Can all of God's people say amen? Can all of God's children say amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long in the presence of the Lord. The future of ministry. A writer named David Deaver said a statement that made me pause and contemplate and really think. When he said, before and after America, there was and will be the church. The nation is an experiment. The church is a certainty. I don't know what the future holds. I have a lot of intrigue and a lot of questions that ask about the future. Our minds, our hearts, our humanity is intrigued about what is next. What the future looks like. What the future holds. I don't really know what the stock market will do, and I don't know what oil prices will be like in six months, 
And I don't even really know the next big invention. The next big deal. I don't really know what any of that is. But I can tell you, until the rapture takes place, there will be an apostolic church in the earth until Jesus comes. I believe that to my core. I believe that in the very depths of my being. I have come to terms with the understanding that the local church is the hope of the world. There's nothing like the living God breathed into people that come together to worship and to reach and to help and to rescue lost men and women to Jesus Christ. There is nothing like the local church. It is the hope of the world. I want to tell you with certainty, I believe the church has a future. The church is going to be here no matter what the gates of hell, no matter what hell does, no matter what humanity does, and no matter what the spirit of the age does, there will be a church that lives, that preaches this Acts 2.38 message until Jesus comes. In the context of our scripture, there is a husband that dies. He passes away and In the reality of living, there is some debt. The woman that is left, the wife, is there to care for the remains and for what will take place and transpire in their house. The creditor comes and begins to want payment for the debt. And his answer to their debt problem is that I want to take your two sons. Her last glimpse of hope. I want to take your sons and make them bondsmen. She, out of desperation, begins to wonder what will happen. What will their future be? What is the future hold for them? I have come to realize that tucked inside every miracle that God performs is the reality of a real need. In other words, you must be sick if you want a miracle of a healing. You must be lost if you want the miracle of being found. You must be bound if you ever want to taste what freedom really looks like. You must be blind if you're ever going to have a miracle of your eyes being restored. If you're ever going to be forgiven, washed, renewed. You must understand, you first must be a sinner, and you must be in need of Jesus. The scripture reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that are come to try you as though so strange thing has happened. That's common. You're going to be in a fight. There's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. But no matter what you face, I want you to understand that God is able to bring you out, to see you through, and to be your provider. I want you to understand that. Because I knew praying here, 
There will be pastors that are discouraged. There's going to be pastors' wives whose nerves are getting the best of them. There's going to be young leaders that wonder if they'll ever endure, if they're ever going to come through whatever you're facing. I want you to understand the future of ministry always comes through a crisis of faith. I want you to hear it. Every church, every pastor, every man, woman of God has to come through a crisis of faith. Where the depth of your soul is challenged. Where your vision is challenged. Where your faith is challenged. You wonder if God hears you. You wonder if God knows. You wonder if you're going to make it. I want you to hear me. That no matter what you're in. No matter what it looks like. You're going to come through. You're going to live. You're going to survive. The pain of ministry on this side of eternity is real. People have lost their hopes and their dreams. Prayers were not answered the way you desired for them to be answered. There's stuff that you just can't understand. Your reality doesn't match what you thought you would be right now. Rejection, problems, people that have come against you have brought leaders to their knees. It's visions that have never lived. Disappointment from places you didn't expect. People have turned their back on you, have walked away from you, have turned and said, I'm not going to be part of the church of your vision. And it's cut you like a knife. Your kids have walked away from God and have left the church. I want you to hear me. Can you serve a God that disappoints you? Can you serve a God that disappoints you? Can you serve a God that seems to be aloof and indifferent to your need? I know in this audience there are people that are in need of an answer. They are in need of a word from God. They are in need of a word that will minister to their situation and to their heartache and to their brokenness and to their faith. The most challenging things I've ever experienced was in ministry. There was a time that I had somebody that messed up royally. Moral failures. Drunk driving. I had people engaged in, in a sting operation. And it was a on staff full-time minister in our church. And I had people come to me and say, Pastor, did you see this in the news? Did you know this leader? Do you see what's going on? God, what's going on? I'm trying to pastor a church. I'm trying to raise a godly environment. I'm trying to make a difference in the world. I'm trying to see your truth prevail in a world that's broken. And I've got leaders that are messing up. And I remember feeling so faint and so discouraged. I remember, I wonder if I'm going to survive this. Are people going to question my leadership? Are they going to wonder if we can sustain this moral failure? And I was in a conference. And I sat there with my spirit broken and my heart broken. And the man that was leading the conference said this. 
God uses high-risking, insecure, pain-enduring people. I'm going to say it again. God uses high-risking. Come on. High-risking. High-risking. Insecure. Pain-enduring people. When he spoke those words, it was like water to a parched land. I felt like God was speaking to me. That no matter what it looks like right now, no matter how you feel, that there is a fresh word that you're going to prevail and you're going to make it. I've got good news for you. I've come with tidings of great joy. I've come to tell you, God's not dead. God's not done. And God's not through. He's going to see you through your crisis of faith in your moments. God is going to see you through. You have many needs, but your greatest needs are in the area of your faith. But without faith, everybody say without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God is looking for men and women that understand the perils of the time we are called to lead. They understand what's at stake. They know the odds are against them. They know they will never be statistically in the majority. They know they will always be the fringe. They will always be the ones that are considered on the out. But with all of that, can I tell you, God has equipped you and I for this day. God has called you and has called me for this hour. We are not here to faint. We are not here to quit. But we are here to be a light that cannot be here. It cannot be here. The scripture reminds us in the story of our reading that when things got scary, that her cry was to the man of God, Elisha. See, the future of ministry depends on you having a spiritual covering in your life. You better understand early. And the earlier you receive it and value it, the better and stronger you will be that God operates in a kingdom. And He always flows His anointing and blessing down through your spiritual leaders. We need to settle the issue of spiritual coverings in our lives. I was so honored and tickled actually when my dear brother, Brother Wyatt, told me that my pastor has been here and ministered and that you have a relationship with Brother Hodges. I have told Brother Hodges many times, Pastor, I need you more than you need me. I need you more than you need me. I need your covering in my life. I need your protection. I need your prayers. I need your blessings. Because I know the devil can't whip both of us at the same time. I get nervous when I see 
ministers and men of God and women of God kind of shirk and throw off their godly covering. They begin to entertain thoughts. I don't need a pastor. I don't need anybody to tell and to speak into my life. I don't need somebody. I can do it all by myself. Can I tell you, you are headed for a cliff. You're going to face some things. You're going to wonder, where do I go for answers? You're going to go through things. You're going to need some counsel. You're going to need some godly wisdom. You're going to need some impartation. You're going to need somebody that can see you through the trial, the battle, the struggle. The test that we don't talk about. The test we don't discuss is the test of submission. What I know about every person that I've loved and seen them fall, morally fall, pastors' lives are in the ditch, churches crumbling. What I know about every one of them is that somewhere in their life, they didn't have somebody that was able to speak honestly and truthfully into their spirit. You know what I've discovered? The older you get, the fewer voices that are able to speak into your life. The older you get, the fewer voices that are able to speak honestly into your life. Who in your life can tell you your breath stinks? Who in your life can tell you you need to straighten up, you need to watch it, you need to be careful? You better be where your pastor can call you up any time and say, I've been praying for you. I know, I don't know what you're facing, but I, I got up early this morning and God laid you in my heart. And I just want to remind you that you better be careful. I thank God for godly men and godly women. Come on, if you love your pastor, would you raise your hands in the air? Start thanking God for your pastor. Pausing right here, because I deal in a privilege to minister and to talk to a lot of leaders, a lot of young leaders and up and coming leaders. There's something dangerous about a gifted, anointed person that's not submitted. Something dangerous about a talented individual, but their spirit is not submitted. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how brilliant. And intellectually savvy you are. I don't care your skill set. I don't really even care your calling. What I want to know is, are you submitted? Are you submitted to someone that can speak earnestly, honestly in your life? If you're wondering that, I challenge you to ask somebody that's close to you this question. Ask your children. Ask your spouse. Ask your co-laborers. Ask your leaders. Ask them this question. And when they give you the answer, don't excuse it. Don't explain it away. Don't try to give them a backstory. Ask them this question. Is there any area of my life you want to speak into? Is there any area of my life that you want to speak into? And you're not going to rebuttal. You're not going to deflect. You're not going to excuse away 
Because people will be honest with you if they'll know how you'll respond. If you start saying, well, what about you? Well, what about so-and-so? Well, what about brother so-and-so? What about sister so-and-so? Who cares about brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so? you got a soul. And you've got to hear somebody that says you better straighten up. You better live right. You better watch it. You better be careful. Because submission is the master key to ministry. Submission is not agreement. Well, I'm going to go along as long as we agree. I'm going to be a part of the district as long as I like who's in, in leading it. I, I'm, going, I'm going to give when I, as long as they scratch my back. Can I tell you, submission is not agreement. You only know you're submitted when, you, when there's a disagreement. When you got a choice not to obey, not to like, and not to understand. But I'm going to do it anyways because I'm a submitted person. If I stop the lesson right here, and I called an altar call right now, there's somebody in this room that you got the answer that you needed. Your growth is dependent on your submission. It's not the books you read. I'm all about that. You'll hear about that tomorrow. You don't want to miss tomorrow. I'll pour myself out to you. You're going to walk away with some tools. But I'm going to tell you, your key is submission. I tell people all the time, the reason that I feel my life is blessed, and I know what I'm about to say is not true. What I'm about to say is not true. Brother Wyatt, what I'm about to say is not true. But I believe it like it is true. But I tell people, I'm God's favorite son. God loves me the best. You know why I believe that? Because He's blessed me. He's blessed my life. Blessed my kids. Blessed my marriage. Blessed my mind. Blessed my body. Blessed my heart. Can I tell you? I got to give God some praise. I got to give Him glory. You know why? I believe that you're looking at a man that does everything he can to be submitted. Before I came and took my church in Nashville, I called my pastor and said, Pastor, I won't go unless you bless me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care the opportunity. I don't care what anybody else is telling me. I just need to know, Pastor, do you bless me to come? Because if you bless me to come... No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, God, you're going to protect me. And I've seen God do miracles, open doors, provide. I'm going to share with them with you tomorrow. But you have no idea what God wants to impart in your spirit. God wants to provide. God wants to open doors. God wants to bring things into your life. But you got to put yourself under a covering. Say, God, i got to have a covering. i got to have your hand. i got to have me protected. Come on, somebody, put your hand on your hand right now. Pray over yourself. Pray over your covering.
Because the future of ministry. You got to settle the issue. The spiritual covering of your life. The future of ministry is tied to the spirit. The greatest work that will ever be accomplished in our lives is the work of the Holy Ghost. The greatest miracle that any person could ever receive is when God saves them and fills them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody but still believe that? Come on, anybody still believe that you still need the Holy Ghost? Still need to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Forward thinking ministries know better. They understand they have to have oil in the house. Future thinking ministries understand that the oil is what's going to last at the end. The oil is what's going to preserve you. The oil is what's going to sustain us. The Bible gives us an end time parable about five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. The difference between the five foolish and the five wives, wise was some had enough oil. The oil was there to sustain them. When the bridegroom came, they had enough oil to carry them to the other side. I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. Because if you run out of anything, you can run out of ideas, you can run out of energy, you can run out of dreams, you can run out of passion. But don't you dare ever run out of the oil in your life. We gotta have the Holy Ghost operating in our churches. We gotta have the Holy Ghost operating in our ministries. We gotta have the Holy Ghost operating in our children's, in our youth, in our music. We gotta have the Holy Ghost operating in our ushers, in our parking, in our cafes, in the, oh, come on somebody. We gotta have the oil of the Holy Ghost. Scripture reminds us, it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my what? It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. See, what I know about the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost is a disruptor. There's nothing casual about the Holy Ghost. And we better not mock the move of the Spirit. And we better not get mocked or detrite about the supernatural activity of the Holy Ghost. I believe God wants to do a supernatural work tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost has showed up to do something supernatural in your life tonight. But I get worried about people. If you want to see where people are, watch people in the presence of the Lord. Watch people as God's moving in the service. Watch people as God's moving. You watch them if they're just casual, kind of just arms folded, just kind of just waiting for it to get over. You better be careful. There's got to be something about us that says, God, I'm still thirsty. I still need a move of God. I still need a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. I still need the Holy Ghost to operate in my mind. I need it in my spirit. 
Better watch people. God's presence is moving. Because Pentecost is the last hope of Christianity. People are losing hope in the religion. They're losing hope in Christianity in general. As you see it, just almost every day, our, our, our world is completely unraveling, throwing and pitching everything out the door. And there's so many things that are now happening. As one person said, he said, we used to be one nation under God. He said, now we're many nations under many gods. And it's not time to get sloppy about this. It's not time to get casual about the Holy Ghost. But every service needs to have the fingerprint of God in it. And that is the Spirit of God operating. I don't care how good the worship is. I don't care how good the sermon is. If the Holy Ghost doesn't move, we didn't reach the goal. we got to have a move of God. You can have bad music and everybody be off key. But if God shows up and miracles, restoration, and joy fills the house and blessings begin to fall, can I tell you, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's what we need. Tell our church, we don't have the service to throw away. I don't have a service to kick the can down the street. I don't have a service just to be flipping about. But every time we gather together, there's somebody's soul at stake. Yes, this has become very real to me because in the last six months, I've had three people that have been in service. And the next couple of days after leaving church, we get the report they've been found overdosed. And I said, God, they're sitting in an apostolic church and they're battling addictions. And their marriages are coming apart. And they're contemplating suicide. And we become therapeutic. We become sin managers. But God didn't call us to cope with sin. God called us to be a restorer of the broken lives, broken hearts, broken hearts. Come with somebody raise your hand right now all across this house. Just raise your hand all across this place. Let's come. They need an answer. And we're the answer. God didn't call you to start a church to fail. He never invites us out of the boat to sink. But He calls us to be a light that cannot be. I'm almost done. The gentleman can come to play the piano. I'd appreciate it. I want you to hear me. This miracle is very famous. It's been preached out about a lot. I've heard countless of messages about the oil. And the most times that I hear it, it's referring to the pots of vessels being lost people. I've heard messages that said, 
God will fill everybody in the house that's empty. And I've seen that happen. But I want to tell you what God put in my heart that I've never seen about the future of ministry. See, the Bible says something like this that the prophet says to the lady. He said, I want you to go. And I want you to borrow not a few. I want you to get every empty vessel you can. He says, you don't got enough in the house, so you got to go to your neighbors. He said, you bring in every empty vessel. But here's what I want you to understand. Her miracle was based on how well she was connected to her neighbor. Imagine her going to her neighbor, knocking on the door, and saying, I need all the empty pots. And the neighbor says, I ain't giving you Jack Dilly squat. What if the neighbor said, uh, I don't think so. You remember last week, you kind of drove off and didn't wave at me when I waved at you? I don't got no vessels for you. Her survival was based on how well she was connected to her neighbor. Her neighbor said, sure. Man, you, what do you need it for? Man, don't even ask. Can't tell you. You won't understand. Just let me, I'll bring it back. Just let me, just let me have the vessels. See, the future of ministry is how well this district can connect together. See, this is what I know. I have a little boy. He's eight years old. And we, we moved into a, a new neighborhood. And it was a Saturday. It was a beautiful day in spring. And I was out washing the car and just trying to let him have some time out. And he's playing. And there's some neighborhood kids. He doesn't know them. I don't know them. They're new kids. We're in a new neighborhood. Don't know anybody. They're about his age. And they're out playing, just having a good time. And I can tell he just keeps looking at me. And I'm just watching this unfold, acting like I'm washing my car, but I'm really trying to watch how this unfolds. This is very interesting to me. Just the genesis of how kids connect. And, and so he, he kind of goes out to, by the driveway. And he's standing there, and, and, and what he's hoping is that one of the kids would come to him and say, Hey, do you want to play? Well, when that's not working, he goes to the garage and he gets out of this toy. And, he, and he's looking. I can see him. He's, he's going through toys. And he's trying to find the coolest toys he can find. And finally, he finds these two sharks. Man, if these can't get new friends, I don't know what's going to get for new friends. And so, so, so he gets these two sharks. And there's a tree right in the middle of the front yard. And so he goes by the tree. This brings him a little bit closer to the kids. And, and he's there and he's playing with the two sharks. And, he, and every now and then he just looks up at them. By this time, as a dad, I'm thinking, will somebody, will anybody, I'll pay you if you'll just come and just talk to my son. 
So my mind is a little bit warped, and so I thought, well, you know, here's a good leadership lesson, Dad. Just so, so I, I call him and said, Thatcher, I said, hey, you know, you, I can tell you, you want to go play with your friends, huh? He said, he said, yeah. I said, Thatcher, you know, sometimes you got to be the initiative, you know? you gotta, you got to be brave enough and swallow your pride and get a little courage into you and go up there and say, hey, my name's Thatcher, and can I play with you? You know, I'm trying to coach him up. He looked at me and said, I'll never forget it. He said, he said, Dad, he said, I can't. I can't. I said, okay. Would you like Dad to help you? He said, yeah. So I take that you're over there, take him to the kids and say, hey, so we're your neighbors. This is Thatcher. He'd like to play with you. Would you mind playing? I mean, it was just moments. They were playing and running. And the Lord hit, just, just brought it to me. There are people in this room. You're just wondering, does anybody want to connect with me? Does anybody know where I'm at? I feel real lonely in this house. I really didn't even want to come. Ministry can be very lonely. But your survival, your future, depends on how you can connect. There's somebody in this room that needs you. They don't need me. They need you. They need you to say, hey, how's it going? But why I didn't even know you. I still really don't know him, but every time I met him, I met him a couple times. I love him more. But I'm partnered with him in the spirit. Goodlettsville, the church I pastors has a stake, a small one, in this church. Because we need one another. You have no idea. I want everyone to stand in this house. We're going to do altar a little bit different here. Come on, would you just close your eyes? Your fellow pastors, I want you to go to somebody that is not your buddy. And I just want you to just ask them to come. Maybe our pastor's wife. Maybe our leader or minister that's here, a young person. We're not coming by ourselves to the altar today. Would you invite somebody to come with you? You have no idea. You have no idea.
the needs in this house. This is beautiful. Come on. You have no idea what God's going to do through you. Come on, there's more. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Come on, I'd like some sisters to find another sister. I'd like some young people to find another young person. Come on, can we pray for one another? Your miracle is dependent on how well you're connected to your neighbor. Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to minister. Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to minister right now. Come on, you're pouring water on hearts. You're pouring water on spirits. Pray a fresh anointing. Pray a redemptive lift. Come on, pray over their soul. Come on, you have no idea what the devil's trying to do to their church, their marriage, their family, their kids, their mind, their health. Come on, speak life over them. Prophesy over them. Prophesy over them. Matchless love and beauty, endless worth. Nothing in this world will satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Your presence is heaven to me.